0: Pedro, I'm Grace. I'm Bridget. And this is like Napoleon Dynamite. Legazier. And yes, that was a Napoleon Dynamite reference.
1: Yeah, it's a reference to both democracy and Napoleon Dynamite, only one of which we'll be talking about in this week's episode. <laughs> <laughs> guess which one?
0: Yeah, uh, I'm guessing it's not
1: the movie. Well, I guess we'll have to wait and see. I guess we'll just have to wait
0: and see. So our first segment, as all you goss heads know, is you have to tell me the segment where Grace and I each bring in our own goss of the week and explain it to the other one in the dumbest terms possible, because we want to understand every detail. So, Grace, you have to tell me about Jojo Siwa is going to be on Dancing with the Stars with a Woman Partner.
1: Yes, this is very big news of the week. Number one. Because Dancing with the Stars is always big news. I know people watch it. I don't know a single person who does. But every once in a while, I watch some of the dances. If there's a celebrity I like, but it is just far too long. Too many commercials. That's my review of Dancing with the Stars. But it's always very popular, big news. So I was like, okay, the announcements must be coming up soon because they always come at the end of a bachelor season because inevitably there's always a bachelor star who's on it. Bachelor people love to do Dancing with the Stars. And because then it frees up Monday nights, whatever. That's how I track it in my mind. Maybe that's that's incorrect, but don't correct me because I don't care. (laughs) Um, So apparently they announced the cast of Dancing with the Stars. I'm actually not sure if they announced the full cast, because if you try to Google it, the only Dancing with the Stars story is this Jojo Siwa one. So I don't know if they've actually announced the whole cast or if Jojo Siwa's publicist is just so good that none of the other cast is getting any attention.
0: I think it's probably the latter because I feel like I did see some names confirmed. But yeah, this story has taken over everything. Mm
1: -hmm. And again, I don't look that deep because I don't care about dancing with the stars. I assume if someone I care about is going to be on it, I'll see it on their social media. But JoJo Siwa was officially announced to be on it, which makes sense for her as a career move. She's a dancer. She's making the transition from child star to adult star pretty gracefully. So far, this is a great move for her. And they announced that her partner is going to be a woman, which is going to be the first same sex couple on the show's history. So that is very exciting.
0: I think, even beyond the show's history, because I was talking to someone else about this, about how, you know, like who gives a fuck about dancing with the stars?
1: Yeah. Who gives a fuck about ballroom dancing? Who gives a fuck about any of it?
0: But then when you look at the history of homophobia on TV, it's pretty epic that. And it's wild. One, this hasn't happened until 2021. Mm-hmm. But it's also epic in terms of like, we should see and be comfortable with more same sex uh, pairings. Yeah, pairings. There you go. Like in any capacity. And so let's normalize this.
1: And especially on ABC, where their big properties are like Dancing with the Stars, The Bachelor, two like very heteronormative properties like they are they are like logistically centered around male female pairings by their own design not because it's impossible to not do that but because that's how they've set it up so it's cool that they're doing it I love that Jojo Siwa is doing this Jojo Siwa's team is nailing every aspect of her career
0: oh yeah and
1: I think she does you know a fair amount of work she's obviously very savvy and smart and like self-assured, but her team really is on her side and doing a good job with her.
0: Oh, she's very work focused. Like mm-hmm. I read a interview or a quote a while back around the time that she came out. And, it, and part of the reasons why she was so attracted to her current partner is because, I mean, her real life personal partner, not her dance partner, mm-hmm. um, is that she asked Jojo like who she was like as a person like, JoJo is traditionally as a child star, if someone asks like how you're doing or what's going on in your life, you give them these sort of like canned work responses. They're Mm -hmm. just like, Oh, I'm working on this and I'm working with these people. And we're all, we all have a relationship together. And one of the things that she pointed out about her partner was that she was like, you just talked about work. (laughs) Tell me what's really going on. And she connected with her in that way. And that's part of the reason why she became so attracted and Became a legitimate couple.
1: Yay. I'm happy for JoJo Siwa. This is a JoJo Siwa support podcast. That shouldn't come as a surprise to anyone.
0: And if you are surprised, oh, baby. (laughs) Yeah, you have not been listening. (laughs) Welcome.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right, Bridget, you have to tell me about Nirvana being sued by a baby. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Obviously, they're not really being sued by a baby, but it's funnier to say that.
0: Yeah. They're being sued by the baby and the baby being the baby on their album art from the album Nevermind.
1: Everyone knows this album art. It's a baby in a pool.
0: Yeah, it's a baby in a pool with like a dollar bill. So now that person is 30 years old, Spencer Eldon, and he has come out to claim that the record's iconic artwork is child pornography And he is suing the band over alleged child sexual exploitation. Part of like what he's using to create this argument is that because the dollar bill is on the album cover with the baby in the pool, it's insinuating that the baby is a sex worker and it's encouraging child pornography. And he said this being on the cover of this album has affected him his whole life.
1: She's reaching your honor. Um, that that <laughs> meme of Naomi Campbell. <laughs> this is the thing about it that is funny to me is that since this lawsuit has been announced, it came out that he like reached out to the band for like some art piece he was working on. And the band like gave him like he had to talk through the band's managers and that kind of pissed him off. And that seems to be part of an inciting incident for this. And as many people have pointed out, the way this has affected his life is that he keeps doing recreations of this photo shoot and he is famous for it. It just feels like this case is I mean, this is the thing about it, is that can you make those arguments? Absolutely. But it feels like is anyone going to give a shit? But maybe they will, because I don't know how the law works. You don't have to give a shit about something for it to be illegal.
0: Yeah, it's I think it's really difficult to make a judgment on what the validity of his feelings are, because exactly. No one can relate to being a naked baby, except for like some famous kids or famous people's kids, I should Mm -hmm. say, when, you know, they release those baby pictures and they're like, oh, look, it's my baby. Exactly. (laughs) And he's only asking and I I mean, this is a high number, but it's actually a reasonably very low number in terms of like a uh, a case like this. He's asking for one hundred and fifty thousand yeah, dollars. Like, I feel like
1: he could have asked higher. He, yeah, exactly. I think he kind of knows this is the thing. I think he kind of knows that this lawsuit is a stretch at best. But the thing is, is that it's very it's going to get a lot of news coverage because it, this baby always gets news coverage and he's probably banking on the fact that Nirvana will just pay him to get him to shut up because like he can say that, you know, it's hard for a court case to be decided based on like how someone says they feel about something. Yeah. So there's a lot of like intricacies of the law that many lawyers can use and I don't know what kind of lawyer he's got. I don't know what kind of lawyer Nirvana has. But from the stories this is getting, I don't know why Nirvana wouldn't just say fine. here's has one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. You stupid baby.
0: Yeah, I I feel like the band should just settle it out of court and like yeah. give him whatever money he needs. because It sounds like his life probably. I mean, you're probably going through some things if this is like if this is what
1: you're doing at this point
0: and what you're assigning a monetary value to because yeah. the case, If it goes forward, lawyers are saying like the likelihood is that it's just going to be thrown out.
1: (laughs) Exactly, because it's just it's obviously kind of a reach. I think that it all comes down to does Nirvana want to go to court to have this thrown out? Or would they rather just pay one hundred and fifty thousand dollars, not have to deal with it at all?
0: Yeah, I think they should just give them the money just to say, hey, pal, get back on your feet. Sorry. Sorry, this is you, you peaked <laughs> so young. I mean, that's
1: got to be hard to literally the most iconic, famous thing you'll ever do happened when you were a baby. And you're just and at this point, the problem is, I think for a while it was like fun to recreate it. And now he's like, OK, I kind of want to do my own thing, but I can't rise above being this baby. Not that this lawsuit's going to help him do that. But it's like it's got to be rough on the psyche
0: to be like, I was
1: so famous and I will never be that famous again.
0: Yeah. I mean, where's the Gerber baby now? You know, like, yeah, well,
1: I think the Gerber baby was like that person's grandkid or something.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I think the Gerber
1: baby, I think, is okay. but I guess the Gerber baby wasn't naked and reaching for a dollar bill. What could they sue for?
0: Grace, you have to tell me you watched Addison's raise. He's all that remake. So that we don't have to. I did. So I think we've talked
1: about it before on this podcast. And if we haven't, it's probably on your Netflix homepage really pushed out to you. Addison Rae starred in a reboot remake of She's All That called He's All That, where she plays an influencer who makes over a boy. And of course, they fall in love. So I watched it. I
0: saw the original in theaters.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. The original's fantastic obviously. It's an old classic. I recommend watching that. Here's what you need to know about the He's All That reboot. First of all, it is one hour and 30 minutes on the dot. So thank you for that. Oh, nice. That, that is. Keep it tight. They did not want to stretch it out too long and good. So Addison Ray plays a character whose name is Paget, and she is an influencer and she goes live and then a booger comes out of her nose, and this is catastrophic to her life. Okay, so much so that a character played by Kourtney Kardashian cancels her sponsorships. So here's the thing. Kourtney Kardashian is in it. Kourtney Kardashian is not trying to act. Of course she isn't, because why would she? She's on screen for five minutes. She is reading the words and she's leaving. But here's the sad thing. And that
0: was part of the agreement.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And good for Kourtney Kardashian. Why bother trying? Everyone's yeah. going to make fun of you. Get your paycheck and go. Exactly. But here's the sad thing. Addison Ray was really, really trying. Oh, and she is just bad. That is just she is just not a good actor. And it's sad because she's trying to be. Yeah. And, you know, everyone else in the movie understands their role. They do their assignment. Big fan of Madison Pettis, who is having an adulthood renaissance. She was the little girl on Cory in the house. She was great in it. Matthew Lillard is in it. Rachel Lee Cook is in it.
0: Rachel Lee Cook's in it.
1: She plays Addison Ray's mom. Rachel Lee Cook, famously the star of the original She's All That. But it's unclear if she's the same character from She's All That or if this is a new
0: character. They didn't do like a wink or a nod or anything? They didn't.
1: Uh, Well, they did. The one wink they did was they obviously played Kiss Me by Sixpence, None the Richer at the end.
0: But they didn't do...
1: And Rachel Lee Cook made a comment about like knowing the song. Oh, and
0: boy. then earlier
1: in the movie, she makes a comment. Addison Ray makes a comment that her parents are divorced and her dad lives in Florida. But that's all we hear. And her mom's a nurse. So I don't think I think Rachel Lee Cook was an artist in the original. She's all that. Yeah. So I think probably she's a different. But she was a high
0: school student. artist. That's the
1: thing. She could have easily pivoted to nurse
0: and didn't didn't Freddie Prince Jr's family. Oh no, that was Rachel Lee Cook's family in the movie, where it was a pool guy. I was like, Oh, maybe he became a pool guy and that's why he moved to Florida. <laughs> that's he More could have pools. become a pool guy.
1: So the thing about that that's funny is that you know they called Freddie Prince
0: Jr. And he said no. And
1: he said, No way, I'm not doing that. I'm done. And thank you, Freddie Prince Jr., for doing that. The other iconic things you need to know about this movie, product placement in every scene. Oh, really? There is like Core water on a table. Someone's very obviously looking at the old Navy website. I would not watch it if I were you, everyone.
0: And this is terrible product placement. Those aren't even products that people give a shit about. But they're
1: the checks, cash baby. And they set up Addison Ray with a couple little dance numbers to do her little dances
0: that she stole from other TikTok people.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Well, she did. She does one where she like sings karaoke and also dances. And the love interest, who is like a photographer who hates like the popular kids, is like, wow, she's really good. No way would that character be anywhere near excited about her singing Teenage Dream by Katy Perry. Yeah. And then at the prom, so throughout the whole movie, they're referencing being on the dance team, which whatever. I thought nothing of it because... Whatever it's an extracurricular they're referencing. And then at the prom, which is of course the climax of the movie, they're like, Oh, it's time for our annual dance showcase, which like has never happened at a prom. And then they're like, Oh, but this year it's gonna be a dance off instead of a dance showcase
0: because it was that's because in the original they had a lot of uh choreographed dancing, maybe at the prom. Do you remember? It was like It was really goofy, like no one dances like this at a prom. And now they found a way to like take it a step further. I forgot about that.
1: Yeah, that makes sense because Matthew Lillard made a comment about how it was a weird tradition at this school. So that only tells me (laughs) that Rachel Lee Cook is in fact the same character. And she and Freddie Prince Jr did not end up together in the long term, which is not at all surprising to me. Of course, those characters. Didn't Why didn't end up they just
0: say he died? Why would they have to say divorce? I don't know. It's it's better if we all think he died. Right. Because yeah, true love is supposed to be real. I know. Well, th- come on. Those two were never going to end up together. I mean, no one in high school ends up together. So if you're in high school, I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry yeah. to break it to you. Sorry to break the news to you. <laughs> You probably won't make it. But yeah,
1: it's a classic film. Just just watch She's All That. That's my review. Just watch She's All That.
0: Love it. Thank you. Thank you for making that sacrifice for all of us.
1: I know it was hard, but someone has to do it. Okay, Bridget, you have to tell me about Charlie Watts of the Rolling Stones dying.
0: Okay, so this guy is very old, was very old. Charlie Watts is the was the drummer of the band. And what's interesting is like Rolling Stones just announced that they're going on tour again. And Charlie Watts was actually not going to go on tour with them because he just had a procedure done. He was going to stay and mm-hmm. rest. I guess he just died. Yeah. Um, so- <laughs> now he's really going to rest <laughs> in peace. It's going to R.I.P. now. Yeah. He joined the band in 1963, not an original member, but definitely a core member up until his death. I really wanted to talk about this because there is this epic story about him that you see repeated a lot. And I actually just heard this the other day. Like, I think it was one of the first things I heard right after he died. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I'm pretty sure I've heard this story before. But the story is, Back when the band was, I guess, young (laughs) Mick Jagger was up all night drinking and partying and he phoned Watts's hotel room and calls and says, where's my drummer? So reportedly Watts got up, shaved, dressed in a suit, put on a tie, shined his shoes made his way down the stairs, knocks on the door, Mick Jagger opens it. He punches him in the face and says, don't ever call me your drummer again. You're my (laughs) fucking singer.
1: (laughs) That's incredible.
0: And I just feel like we just lost a real one, guys.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I hate it. I mean, I was just going to say I hate it when people die. But doesn't everyone? That's a
0: shame. I mean, except for Rush Limbaugh, I think I felt... Oh, yeah. Some sense of relief.
1: Yeah, there's some day, there's some people that it's going to be good when they die. Donald Trump, oh my God, you're going to inspire such a party when you die.
0: Oh my God, yeah.
1: People will be dancing in the streets once more. Oh, so gross.
0: That guy is. <laughs> anyway,
1: well, rest in peace, Charlie Watts.
0: Rest in peace, player. Mm hmm. You rock. Oh. <laughs> okay that was good you rock um, <laughs> okay grace you have to tell me Parvati shallow and john fincher are getting divorced this
1: is very sad do you know who these two people are
0: no Mm-mm. i know david S- fincher no relation okay great so <laughs>
1: So Pervity, Shallow, and John Fincher are former Survivor contestants.
0: Oh, were they on the same season? They were not. Okay.
1: So Pervity is one of Survivor's most iconic players of all time. She has played four times. Her first time was in Cook Islands, the season famously separated by race. And she said, is this kosher? So, Queen, we love her from the beginning. <laughs> um, she won. Spoilers for um Survivor, if you haven't watched it. She won Micronesia. She got second place in Heroes versus Villains, and she didn't make it very far in Winners at War. But that's because she's old school. She's basically known for being a huge flirt. And she is like a hot girl. And she uses that to get to the end every time. Micronesia, she made an all female alliance that they called the Black Widow Brigade, where they basically took out every single man one by one. Oh, nice. It was
0: incredible. Um, How old would you say she is?
1: She's not very old. She's let me look up her age really quick.
0: I just feel like the show's been on forever. So Mm -hmm.
1: right now she's 38. So, oh, Oh, and she started playing in. It was probably 2006 or 2007 when she first played. Yeah, she first played in 2006 and she would have been, I don't know, young then. Yeah, like early 20s She was born in 1982. She first played in 2006. You guys do you do the math. So she's known for being
0: like 24
1: hot flirtatious (laughs) man eating was kind of her reputation.
0: Love it. Love it.
1: John Fincher played only once. He played on season 19 in Samoa, which famously Samoa is the season where Russell first played. For non-Survivor fans, Russell is one of the most iconic villains of all time. And in Samoa, basically no one else got a word in Edgewise because the edit was all focused on on Russell and he didn't even win. I hate Russell. So (laughs) anyway, so John Fincher was on Samoa and in those first 20 seasons of Survivor, it was like kind of what Bachelor Nation is, is that they're all mingling with each other. They're all dating each other, people from different seasons. It becomes an issue on returning player seasons, of course. So Pervity and John met through Ethan Zone's charity, Soccer League, Ethan Zone, winner of Survivor Africa. And they've always talked about how they knew right away they were in love with each other.
0: You think it's trauma bonding from being on a reality TV show where you have... I think that's a part of
1: it. I mean, that's why you see a lot of reality TV stars date, I think. Yeah, it's the same in The Bachelor. It's the same on like any TV show, even not a dating reality show. There ends up being a lot of couples. I mean, there's a lot of survivor couples who either met on the show and played together or people who just met outside of the show. And I mean, Parvati's played again and again. So she has a much different relationship with it than John, who played one time and honestly didn't do much to impact the game that we saw on TV. But he's very hot. (laughs) I'll give that to him. But Pervity and John had a baby like two years ago. They just built out a van to drive across across the country and they just announced their divorce. So it's very, very sad for Survivor fans everywhere.
0: Yeah, that sounds rough. I know
1: they were like because there's, you know, not a million Survivor couples, but there's quite a few. There's a few like big mainstays. Rob and Amber are the most famous one. Even non-survivor fans have heard of them. Probably. Sure. Maybe. She wore she famously, they got engaged on the finale of All Stars. And she famously wore a t-shirt that said, I heart Rob. Oh. It was really cute. (laughs) And Pervity and John were one of those really like mainstay couples that no one ever thought would get divorced. But she stopped posting about him. Recently. So the survivor groups I'm in, we're all speculating, but now it has been confirmed.
0: Oh, that's interesting. It's interesting because these people also have like, obviously, social media managers and like a lot of their endorsements come from the relationships. So like you can't really announce it till it's like close to official.
1: Yeah. What's weird about Survivor is a lot of them got on social media before social media was a thing. So a lot of them run their own social media. Really? And they don't have as many sponsorships because they started social media before the height of it. And now they don't really do as much. Like Pervity does like meditation coaching and she has a couple sponsorships, but it's nothing like The Bachelor people. Most of the Survivor people have very like low-key social media.
0: Well, that's the difference between CBS and ABC.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: CBS ain't going to help you out.
1: Exactly. Uh, Bridget, you have to tell me about Tony Hawk putting blood in his skateboards and Lil Nas X not having it.
0: We remember the little Nas Satan situation. Shoes. Yes, we we covered it on this podcast long ago. Um, Lil Nas had a drop of blood in his shoes. It looked like they were Nike's, but they technically weren't Nike sponsorship. And they made 666 pairs. Mm-hmm. So Tony Hawk's thing is very similar in that he infused his blood into the artwork of a hundred skateboards. Um, they're are $500 a piece to promote the water company, liquid death and all the proceeds are supposed supposedly going to charity. And Lil Nas took to Twitter to point out the hypocrisy and it, of course, it got a lot of attention, but I don't know. We can't, I don't think you could say these things are analogous given yeah. that Tony Hawk <laughs> did not make it satanic. <laughs>
1: yeah. But I mean, blood is inherently like uh
0: yeah, blood has always been like a way of oh, you want to freak people out, show Put them some, some blood, blood in it. Yeah. Like, yeah, like going back to Angelina. Angelina Jolie and Billy Bob Thornton. Yeah. And then didn't Machine Gun Kelly and Megan Fox do something similar recently?
1: I didn't read about it, but that sounds like them.
0: I think it was them. Multiple couples came out this past year being like, I have the blood of my loved one around my neck. And it's like, it's now it's getting boring. You guys have ruined blood. Now it's not fun anymore because too many people are doing it.
1: Find something else. Also...
0: I just thought of this and I don't know if I'll keep it in because I think it's might sound very controversial. Oh, I can't wait. But I feel like now that like people aren't really dying of AIDS like they used to, the whole sharing the blood thing is not as controversial as it once was. It's not as taboo. Yeah. It's not as like, ooh. now it's like if you share each other's spit because of COVID, I think that would be racier.
1: I don't know. Oh, I don't know. I famously think vampires are coming back, so I think blood's gonna have a moment.
0: You think blood's gonna have a renaissance?
1: I think we're gonna have a vampire renaissance very soon. People are getting too into Twilight. I think vampire movies are gonna start being made again, and I'm excited about it. And I want a vampire <laughs> to find me.
0: But it's gonna be a lot of queer vampires. I feel like, or oh, like, well, yeah, they, they got a diverse people the of vampires. color. It's yeah. gonna
1: be. I think we're gonna. I mean, not to be whatever a trend forecaster, because I'm not, I just follow some on TikTok. But as the world gets more and more um, terrifying and awful, we're going to see less and less realism in TV, which means a return to more magic. And I mean, we've already seen a return to magic. I mean, we have what we do in the shadows, whatever, whatever.
0: Oh, they're vampires. Yeah, exactly. One of the best and
1: it's going to be more people of color creating these shows and having so that not every vampire we see on TV owned slaves. You know, in that 2008 vampire boom, all of them were Confederate soldiers. What? It happened in Twilight. It happened in True Blood. It happened in The Vampire Diaries. I'm like, does everyone have to support support the Confederacy? Wow.
0: Isn't that crazy? That's kind of fucked up. What was going on?
1: In Although one of the main characters, The Vampire Diaries did desert. Wait, what? One of the main characters of the Vampire Diaries, who was a Confederate soldier, did desert the war.
0: So, oh, uh, he left. at least, he left.
1: yeah, at least he's, uh, at least he, he went away. AWOL.
0: Yeah. Oh, good, good. Glad he had a conscience back in 1862 to get the fuck out of there.
1: Exactly. Whatever. <laughs> so, anyway, vampires are coming back. <laughs>
0: you heard it here first, Grace. You have to tell me, Olivia Rodrigo. Rodrigo.
1: (laughs) The fans are going to come for you.
0: I know. That's why I'm like, I better repeat it. Okay. Grace, you have to tell me Olivia Rodrigo gives Paramore a songwriting credit on good for you.
1: So as you may know, Olivia Rodrigo released a song called good for you. It's very popular. It's on the top 40, whatever, whatever. As soon as it got released, it was immediately compared to misery business by Paramore. And, They have, you know, similar vibes. They're obviously both pop punk. There are similar chord progressions, but at the end of the day, they're two different songs. Paramore really didn't seem to have a problem with it when it was released.
0: I was going to say, I thought I saw Paramore saying like, you go girls sort of stuff on their social media.
1: Paramore has no problem with it as far as anyone's concerned. Yeah, but it kind of picked up. I don't know, a little bit of steam, a little bit of momentum given mostly to TikTok, because on TikTok, people love to make mashups of songs. And so everyone was making good for you misery business mashups. So basically, I don't know who decided it. Some court, whatever, decided that basically the melodies are too similar to ignore. It's not. And I'm not a music expert. It's not a sample because she didn't use the actual like clip from the song where she sampled New Year's Day by Taylor Swift on another song on the album. She didn't sample Misery Business on this song. It's called an interpolation where it basically is like using a similar melody. And so it was decided basically that the melody is too similar to ignore. She gave them a songwriting credit. All is fine. It's interesting because most musicians are like, this is so fucking stupid why this is not necessary. Yeah, because for one, she's young and she's grown up with all of these songs. So so all of the artists are basically like it's impossible for an artist to exist in a vacuum where they are not influenced by the music they listen to. And that's obviously what the case is here. Olivia Rodrigo has said that this song was inspired by Paramore.
0: And this is this is a a Olivia problem. This is actually this is why people hate record labels this mm-hmm. is a music business problem this is yeah somebody's lawyer uh, who has access to rights of one of the artists making a case
1: wants to get some money off a yeah. popular song
0: so the musicians themselves might be like i don't give a fuck but the people who own the rights to the music they're the ones that are that's true. really calling the shots they're the one who decides a lot of the profit.
1: Because so whoever's making money off misery business isn't making that much money off it right now, but good for you is making a lot exactly. of money. Exactly. So, right. so now they got to get that. Seems
0: great to go the court over. Yeah. It.
1: So I mean, Adam Levine is one who's come out. All Elvis Costello has come out. Basically, all these artists are like, Yeah, sometimes you write something and it sounds like something else someone else wrote, and you don't realize until the end, and it's just being influenced by music. It's very normal she's young we want to encourage young artists to write music that they come up with even if it is similar to something we've heard it's music so musicians don't give a fuck but their lawyers do and now paramore and haley williams have a songwriting credit on good for you which doesn't really affect anyone else's day-to-day life so yeah the song's still the same
0: it just shows you how like this is a byproduct of capitalism right like this sort yeah. of control over artist work, it's like you're you're like a landlord or something, like your job is literally nothing except for profiting other off other people's work. It's like, yeah, it's bullshit anyway. It is bullshit.
1: Okay, Bridget, you have to tell me Aliyah is finally streamable.
0: Yes, so there's a lot of nuances to this because famously, for the last 20 years, you could not stream. Any of Aaliyah's music, right? Like, you yeah. Apple had it for a minute, like in 2017, and then it disappeared. And I guess it's kind of all goes back to Barry Hankerson, which was the late singer's uncle and record producer. Oh, he has a lot of control in a bulk of her catalog, not the full catalog, but the music that she recorded with him. In his company, Blackground Records. Gotcha. And it's clear that the estate is not exactly thrilled about this. Mm-hmm. But the they, I think they've also sort of implied that they may not take any sort of legal action here. And part of that is because the estate doesn't own the music rights, so they can only really the most they could do is voice an opinion.
1: Why do they not want it to be streamable? Have they said why?
0: From my understanding, because this is why it's so complicated or this part of the complexity of it is that Barry Hankerson said that part of the reason he decided to release it now was because at the 19th anniversary of Aaliyah's death, her family posted on Twitter or this date, I'm sorry, Her family runs the estate, so I don't for legal reasons, obviously don't want to confuse those things. But the estate posted on social media, you know, that they were kind of implying they were bummed out that you can't listen to her music. And so he uses that as a catalyst for like, okay, let's make the music available. But then he never talked to the estate about it or reached out, reached out to them. Yeah. Right. And it's it's also his sister. (laughs) So. (laughs) It's like there's just a lot there. And then on top of that, in order to have the music streamable, Blackground Records needs to have a relationship with a distributor. Mm. And so there's just a lot of layers to this. On top of that, this state, if you're going to make the music streamable, I think they also want some control in that to help preserve Aliyah's legacy, right? Like they can do special releases, there's some sort of control of like, let's make sure that the profit that's coming from this also aggregates back to their, they have like a nonprofit or like a memorial foundation in her name, right? That contributes to causes that they deem worthy. So there's just like a lot of nuances to it that you actually don't have even any vocal musician support of this. So like when this Mm -hmm. happened, musicians were pretty silent on having an opinion of like, yes, this is now available to us or, oh, you know, like people are avoiding talking about it.
1: Yeah. It feels like a very personal, heavy kind of issue. It feels like loaded more than like a legal musical decision.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And because it's like, it's both her family, but it's also the music business. So it's like just a very murky thing. But on the other hand, like, when Aaliyah came out, I was not a huge fan. And that is because when she came out in the early 2000s, she was what I would consider like, you know, mainstream. And I thought I was like yeah. this punk emo kid.
1: Yeah, so like, I would never listen to that.
0: Yeah. This is not my genre. But it's then she familiar. was in a vampire movie. I <sighs> can Queen of the Damned. Uh, and I loved that movie because I was an Anne Rice fan. Naturally. And I thought she was amazing in it. So then I was like, OK, I now have respect for Leah. Now that I've seen her <laughs> act in my sexy vampire movie. Yeah.
1: You like, that's all I needed was that so hard.
0: <laughs> and and now that I've gotten older, too, I've gotten down like the rabbit hole of like, oh, oh of course, all the things I missed in the 2000s because I thought I was like,
1: yes, too all the cool
0: or too smart,
1: all the things that you were afraid to like because you thought it was uncool to like them. That as an adult, you're like, mm, let me get into that. Yeah, my roommate is just getting into One Direction because she was bullied out of life. she didn't want to like them in high school, and now she's like, "These are fun."
0: And that—that's uh, one I've heard about too. But so I'm disheartened by all of the nuances and the legal issues and the family issues here. But I am kind of excited to like go through her catalog.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: All right, our
1: next segment, as always. Is called Biden Bites. So first Biden bite of the week, Bridget. um, So the Supreme Court ended the eviction moratorium.
0: Unfortunately, the Supreme Court ended the eviction moratorium. And this federal eviction ban, obviously, if it's not obvious to you and you're listening to this, please stop the podcast and grow a brain. But obviously protected (laughs) millions of people struggling with rent while landlords across the country have been trying to evict them during a pandemic. Mm -hmm. Now, some States have individually issued their own eviction Mm -hmm. moratoriums. Um, We're in California and that's one that's great. And the Supreme court is now citing that this is a Congress problem, leaving Biden with very little control in the matter. Mm -hmm. But I think we can all agree as a leader, Biden should be, leveraging more against these psychopaths into having this on priority number one of the Senate, you know?
1: Yeah. Well, it's hard, too, because an eviction moratorium isn't like a problem solve, especially if it's, you know, if we keep extending it three months at a time, it's not solving anything. What it needs to be is providing rent relief, to renters or even I mean, because we know that landlords have been applying for payroll protection. Yes. Grants. I mean, the thing is, there's government assistance available to landlords that is not available to tenants. Yes. And the eviction moratorium is not a band aid. So to waste all our time, I mean, to have the Supreme Court go in and waste their time doing that and then to have, you know, Biden have to go to Congress and Congress do that. It's just like, we're putting all this work into something that is just delaying the inevitable, which is the fact that we don't take care of tenants and there's no way people are going to be able to pay their back rent at this point.
0: Yes. Our whole system for housing in America is pretty antiquated. Yeah. Like being a landlord. I'm sorry. Being landlord is not a fucking job.
1: I'm sorry. Well, think for a moment. It's just, we say landlord a lot. So we, you know, the, Word becomes nothing to us. But like think of the word landlord.
0: Yes, my lord. Do I live in medieval Europe? No, I live in Los Angeles. Thank you, my lord, for letting me have this apartment.
1: It's like, and then, and then, I mean, whatever. Landlords have their things. But like my skylight above my stairs, a crow pecked a crack in it like two years ago. We've, you know, we've been calling about it ever since. It got fixed two days ago. We've had a crack in our skylight for like a year. I'm not calling the person in charge of that a lord.
0: Yeah, sorry. So
1: it's an it's just frustrating because it's like, yes, he should extend the eviction moratorium, but also it's like it's causing us so much energy to extend something that is a flimsy band-aid. For
0: a larger problem.
1: It's like putting a band-aid on like an amputated leg. Yeah. It's not gonna fix anything long-term. It's better than nothing, but in some ways... It's not better than nothing. (laughs) So also what Biden's up to, another thing he has no power over is he's got a new big bill going through Congress. It just got through the House and is a little and go there for a second, but it got through. So it's going to go to the Senate and basically to be passed. It's going to need like full Democrat support. And there's always Joe Manchin causing drama because apparently he has nothing better to do.
0: Well, and all these guys, I mean, we just saw Pelosi forever saying, yeah, let's let's take care of student debt. And then she meets with one real estate couple in San Francisco and then says, never mind, you know what? It's not it's not realistic, guys. And it's like you're supposed to be helping us.
1: Yeah. It's like, girl, (laughs) did you forget? Like, hi, remember us,
0: the American people? Remember the people you said that you wanted to help? Hello. Mm hmm.
1: But this bill has a lot of good stuff in it. It's, you know, not sweeping progressive reform, but it's 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 got some progressive stuff in it. So if we can get it passed, here's the good news. As far as the climate, it basically pushes the electricity sector to reduce pollution. And it does that by subsidizing the use of solar, wind and other forms of clean energy while penalizing the use of dirty energy like coal. Manchin has been vague about his position on this plan but for the most part democrats are pretty supportive of the climate part of the bill
0: oh good so
1: that's it it's a little there's an unknown about natural gas which is better than coal but worse than solar but for the most part democrats are like this one's cool as far as we know i mean who knows then for healthcare. This bill would expand Medicare to include vision, hearing and dental for those over 65. Uh, Why that hasn't happened before, I don't know. So calling that progressive is like it's uh, (laughs) that's a little um, silly. And then Medicaid would be expanded in 12 states that specifically did not sign up for the Obamacare extension. But the big uncertainty with this part of the bill is that Congress would have to be aggressive about reducing prescription drug prices. And we know how Congress is with Big Pharma. Yeah, it's not good. It's I know. Not good. So I read that and I was like, mm, I would say that's not very likely. But apparently they won't legalize
0: weed. They'll let the prescription thing happen and then they're going to keep a federal ban on weed.
1: Yeah. Well, but apparently reducing prescription drug prices would lower spending on Medicare and Medicaid which then they would be able to use that money for other things.
0: Like more, more Blackwater operations. I mean, whatever. (laughs) Don't even get me
1: started on where that money is going to go, but maybe other parts of the bill. And that's what the House is like proposing. is like, we can put that money
0: to other parts of this bill.
1: And the Senate says, "Mm, I don't know. Let me talk to my lobbyist friend.
0: Yeah. So that's
1: a little iffy on that part.
0: Behind closed doors and at expensive restaurants.
1: I know. In the education and childcare part of the bill, Basically, pre kindergarten would be universal for three and four year olds by subsidizing state programs that already exist. And they want to set up universal community college. Plus, it would extend the child tax credit that was in the relief plan for the pandemic up to, I don't remember when. Plus, they also want to add a national program of paid leave for workers who take time off because they're ill or caring for a relative. And I didn't I don't have anything on that section in what the whole Senate thinks about it.
0: I hate this community college thing. It's like they're trying to give you breadcrumbs. Yeah. When it's like, just give me the the whole loaf of bread here. Like what? What is going on? Yeah, it's very like (laughs) just give us education, bro. (laughs)
1: Yeah, it's very like, oh, we're doing progressive things, but we're doing the furthest right progressive thing we can think. of. Yeah. And here's the real problem with it is obviously the way Democrats want to pay for this bill is by raising taxes on the affluent, including corporate by raising the corporate tax rate and the top income tax rate, as well as a new tax on companies overseas profits. Guess how Republicans feel about that? Not favorable. So obviously the real sticking point for approval here will be how we're paying for it, specifically with taxes. So we'll see if that passes. It's like it's there's some good things in it. We have to take a time to celebrate the little wins. And also there's not much Biden can do about the drama. But it's like another bill that could make our lives better. But Republicans are exposed, uh, opposing it just because they want to oppose Democrats. The two party system is I
0: don't understand. I mean, there's a lot I don't understand about the Republican Party, but like. This like need to protect rich people and corporations from taxes is wild to me that people don't connect that to like the exploitation of workers. Like, yeah, that's the part where I'm like, if you're a part of a lower class and I've, I've been there for the majority of my life, I don't understand how you can vote Republican and and not hold these people accountable. I know
1: it's it does not click for me. And I and it never will. And I just sometimes there are some days where I get really pissed off at it. And there are some days where I'm like, I can't really use my brain power on that today.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, boy. Oh, my. I can feel my brain power depleting. I know. There is something, Grace, that Biden could do for us all. Good. Which is pardon Daniel Hale.
1: So who's Daniel Hale?
0: A former Air Force intelligence analysis who leaked top secret documents revealing the inner workings and civilian consequences of the US's military drone program. He was sentenced to nearly four years in prison last month. Wow
1: for like just snitching on snitching on what other people do wrong.
0: Basically revealing that what the US is doing is pretty war crimey don't we know it, baby? <laughs> <laughs> Don't we know it? it? Which is something that tale oldest old as time. The United States military does not f around about. But Ilhan Omar has been going to bat for this guy and she makes some great points. I think it's wild that you have a progressive woman in office and she has to sort of preemptively point out like that she takes extremely serious The prohibition on leaking classified information, you know, like she has to say, you know, I think it's I think what happened is a very serious matter. But she points out that Daniel Hale didn't really there wasn't any harm in what he disclosed. Mm -hmm. And he also took responsibility for his actions and that he was clearly motivated by public interest and not like, say, some sort of trying to take down the government. It was more yeah. like, hey, guys, did you know we're doing this? Maybe we shouldn't be doing this. Yeah. And and it's not like, oh, fuck the government. Let's create anarchy. Yeah. Uh, treason, treason, treason.
1: It feels more like the American people should really know what military what our military is doing.
0: Yeah. And I don't believe he leaked any sort of information that was truly damaging. It was just like, it's just information of like, this is how the drone program works. Mm-hmm. Here's what our ta- our targets were. And he's bringing up these great points because a lot of this also goes back to the Obama administration, where a lot of liberals like to believe that Obama was like this magical president. And it's like, ooh, honey, he led way more drone attacks than mm-hmm. George W.
1: <laughs> he was doing war crimes, too. We just had better PR.
0: Exactly. So Biden, we know you're going through a tough time with this Afghanistan stuff. So yeah, we
1: know you, we know you're busy. We know you got other stuff going on. But at the same time, you're the president. You make a lot of money. So figure it out, King.
0: And it might be a good distraction from whatever the hell you're doing over there. You right know, you now, you might want to
1: get some other headlines out right now, King. <laughs> You might want to get some other headlines out. It's a classic move used by celebrities of today.
0: Yeah. So free free Daniel Hale. Yeah. And that was bite and bites. Now, at the beginning of this, you might remember Grace's little opener. And that is because we are doing the California recall. We're going to try to dissect this a bit for you guys. Part of the reason why I think this is important to talk about, not just because both of us are Californians, but because it shows that with enough organization, we can at least at least make a dent in our political system. There is a democracy well, with happening. enough
1: organization and a number of extenuating circumstances.
0: You can... You can,
1: you too... Fight the man. You too can start a recall (laughs) here's something i learned that i thought was very interesting Mm -hmm. that every governor of california since 1960 has faced at least one recall because when the recall happened first of all i feel like recalls happen all the time in california i've grown up in california i am not like when i was in like sixth grade i wasn't paying attention to politics but i was like i think a governor has been recalled before the trick is most of them don't make it to an election It's just people want to recall someone and they try to get enough signatures and they either don't get enough signatures or they don't do the paperwork correctly or for whatever reason, it doesn't go to election. So when people started calling for a recall of Newsom, I was like, okay, obviously that's really not going to go anywhere, which is what most Californians thought, because California, because recalls in California are easier than pretty much any other state in the United States because of a progressive package passed in 1911. 1911, baby. Yeah. And so since 1911, there have been at least 179 recall attempts. So Gavin Newsom, you're in good company, King. (laughs) And the thing about this recall that is interesting is this probably would not have made it to an election if not for COVID restrictions because- Because of COVID restrictions, they argued that they needed more time to get signatures. So they got four extra months than usual to get signatures. And in that four extra months, what did Gavin Newsom do? Go to that party at French Laundry Unmasked, which is really the heart of this. But we can talk to the heart of that. I guess I should also say, so this is what you need to get a recall to election. Yes. You need to have a petition that is signed by enough registered voters to equal 12% of the turnout in the last election for governor. You don't need to give a reason for the recall, but many do because they love to talk. The petition must include at least 1% of the last vote for office in at least five counties. And in most cases, you have 160 days to gather that many signatures, which is a little under six months. They need to be verified by the government and they need to be approved. All the paperwork needs to be submitted. So in this specific case, California needed 1,495,709 valid signatures.
0: Yeah. So this is this is something like you said with the French laundry incident, it was very much a Trump conservatives battle here. They, I mean, they were gonna try to recall them no matter what. Mm-hmm. And then after French laundry, I think progressives were already upset with Newsom because of many things going on in the state, a lot of unfulfilled things, a huge one being the houselessness that's in the state. And so then you see this rich guy at a very high-end, expensive restaurant. At a lobbyist's
1: birthday party.
0: It's very much French Revolution.
1: Yeah, it basically, because there's this, There's this idea that Gavin Newsom is peddling, which I think is a good move based on what he can do, that basically this whole recall is about anti-vaxxers not wanting COVID restrictions. That's a part of it, but that's not all of it, because the recall was like initiated pre-COVID because basically as soon as he was elected, Republicans are like, we don't want a Democrat governor, so we're going to recall him. This is kind of how things go in California. It happens all the time. Not a big deal. And then as covid started, anti-maskers were upset because he was putting the you know, he was putting restrictions on California earlier than a lot of other states were, which obviously I think was a good move. But yeah, because our numbers
0: were insane.
1: Yeah. But obviously that caused fervor from Republicans. And originally the recall was mostly supported from Proud Boys and anti-vaxxers even though COVID was not the inciting incident many think it was. And so the French laundry incident is really kind of at the heart of this because it was a huge story at the height of COVID when what Gavin Newsom had going for him was his response to COVID. Yeah. because he's got a lot of other things going on. No governor's perfect, obviously. But in the beginning of the pandemic, Gavin Newsom, attempted to handle covid well. Obviously, you can't control all the actions of individuals without paying them. But overall, Gavin Newsom did a pretty good job handling covid. So when you fuck that up by going to a lobbyist birthday party and eating unmasked at a time when California numbers were spiking, you kind of lose the one leg you have to stand on. So and then as the pandemic went on. The mandates kept being enforced and they didn't seem to be stopping the spread, which again is not Gavin Newsom's fault, but it doesn't look good. He got more on display as a leader. And then he became more and more separated from the people of California. For example, public school parents were all upset because their schools were closed, but his kids were going to private school and he wasn't addressing that. They, basically, the way that the recall supporters are selling it is that he's too elitist, he's too out of touch. And California, for those who don't live here, it has this perception as a liberal state, but it has a lot of conservative pockets.
0: Oh, yeah. There's definitely some very like like near San Diego is like the white supremacy capital of America. Mm -hmm.
1: And I mean, Orange County is like I'm trying to think of an accurate comparison. Orange County is to L.A. like the Hamptons are to New York
0: or New Jersey,
1: kind of. And so. Republicans and conservatives turn out to vote a lot in California because there's a perceived liberalism that they want to combat. And and even though Democratic voters outnumber Republicans two to one overall in the state of California, Democrats are more apathetic. Plus, Democrats registered on their ballots are oftentimes progressives who aren't super fans of Newsom, but most progressives in the case of this recall are still turning out to keep Newsom in office because of who's running against him.
0: Yeah, we don't want to go into fascism. Yeah. So, Grace, do you know who successfully became governor from a recall?
1: I do. It's our good friend Arnold Schwarzenegger. In
0: 2003, that's how he got elected. Which is hysterical. I do want to point out some other things about Newsom. Mm -hmm. He was a wine merchant, which is... Crazy to think now he's like in his 50s. So it's like, how long was he a wine merchant before he became the mayor of San Francisco? Yeah. Uh, And early in his campaigning, he got support from the Gettys, which are not famously known for their progressive ideologies, (laughs) their ethics.
1: But they are famously known for their money.
0: They are famously known for their money. Exactly. Um, And he did have some really great early progressive legislation, like Mm -hmm. he sanctioned same sex marriages as the mayor of San Francisco before it was uh, federally cool.
1: Yeah, he is generally regarded as a overall progressive governor, given the state of other governors in the country.
0: Yeah. By comparison,
1: he's progressive.
0: Yes, yes. And early on in his governorship, He limited the high capacity gun magazines being available to folks. He pushed for the marijuana legalization. And like within his first year in office, I believe he declared a moratorium on executions. Mm -hmm. However, we all know about his relationship with Kimberly Guilfoyle.
1: I mean, at the end of the day, he's still a rich guy and rich people will protect their own first. So he is enacting progressive policies but the thing is there's a level of him that is a little out of touch with the experience of most californians so that's kind of why he's getting recalled in a nutshell
0: he's been pretty silent on the matter for mm-hmm. so like
1: for a long time he wasn't he's like i'm not i'm not going to take it seriously i'm not going to dignify it with a response
0: and his team has gone out of their way to discourage other democrats from challenging or taking this opportunity to challenge him.
1: Yeah. They base any big democratic players, they're like, don't run. He's up for reelection in a, in a year, whatever.
0: Yeah, you'll have to wait. Please wait yeah. till 2023. Hang, hang
1: tight. And honestly, if I'm if I want to run for governor, I'll give it another year. I'll wait, I'll hang out till COVID. I mean I'll wait COVID out a little longer.
0: Yeah, I don't know if I want to come in on the COVID. Yeah,
1: the only reason some of these people do want to come in is to get that mask mandate away. Yes. (laughs) Which we'll get to that. But he's also now recruiting big players who are popular among Democrats and who he perceives as being popular among progressives. He's recruited Biden. He's recruited Elizabeth Warren. And for the most part, most progressive organizations are like, Let's just not fucking recall him. It's not worth the fucking trouble. Like, yeah, it's like we don't love Gavin Newsom and everything he does, but it's a waste of our time, money to recall him. And there's too many freaking scary people running for us to want that.
0: Lesser of two evils. Yes. I heard this. I don't I didn't do a lot of research into it. So take it for whatever. But I guess I had heard that Biden and Kamala were supposed to do like campaigning in California
1: oh. for him.
0: And they were like supposed to come here and do a little tour. But then like Afghanistan happened.
1: Yeah. And they're like, sorry, this is not important to us, Gavin. We got other stuff <laughs> You're on your on. own.
0: You're on your own, pal. That's okay. We got our own recall.
1: Yeah. The works, like They're going to recall us. <laughs> <laughs> so the ballot, if you haven't gotten your ballot yet, or if you haven't opened your ballot yet, here's what you can expect on your ballot. The ballot's going to ask you two two questions. Should the governor be recalled? And if so, who should be the new governor? If the majority of voters say no to the first question, the second is moot. But if more than 50 percent vote yes, the challenger with the most votes becomes the next governor, even if it's below 50 percent.
0: and this is why this is a huge reason why progressives are saying if you're going to vote, just vote no because the second question is where things get really messy, and that you're looking at a lot of independent. I mean, they're all affiliated with a party, but independent yeah. candidate candidates. In that, it's like a, a primary almost, where it's like it's going to yeah. go to the guy who gets the most votes, and in that small group of people who vote yes to recall him, then you're split up even into more mm-hmm. groups, and right now the leader of the of who could win from that, it's not good. <laughs>
1: yeah. And you can vote. No, I don't want him to be recalled and also vote on the second question if you want to say. But the problem with Gavin Newsom telling big Democratic players not to run is that there's not really like a viable Democrat alternative on the ballot. Yeah, I think. And at least not one anyone's unified behind. Exactly. Newsom's lawyers are trying to say. It's unconstitutional because they're basically trying to say Gavin Newsom should be listed in question two so you can put no and also vote for him so we can get the vote. Obviously, the people behind the recall are like, well, that's not the point. The question is, do you want to be recalled? He can't be on the second question. But that was a move Gavin Newsom was trying to pull. It didn't work. Also, he lost another legal battle that's not really important. So you can't see that he's a Democrat on the ballot, which I think everyone knows he's a Democrat. So I don't know.
0: And a lot of people who vote, unfortunately, really have no idea what's going on. And they do literally just look at the party. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think if you're really voting for this, hopefully you do know that Gavin Newsom is a Democrat, but it could be argued. I mean, this is why they push for any sort of listing of parties in general is like
1: you that you know that that's what's going to pull people in if they do no other research. Exactly. They're going to pick like the person whose name they like best. That's a Democrat. Exactly. So let's talk about the candidates. So here's what a candidate needs to be on the recall ballot. You must be a U.S. citizen. Got to be registered to vote in California. Got to pay a filing fee of about four thousand dollars or you can submit signatures from seven thousand supporters. You cannot be convicted of certain felonies and you cannot be the governor who's up for recall. Fair enough. Um, And they have until 59 days before the election to file. Obviously, there's a lot of paperwork, so not everyone makes it through. But here are our big players.
0: Oh, yeah. Wait, because there were 80 candidates who officially announced their intent to challenge um, our current governor, but only 46 did all the paperwork. So natural selection,
1: baby. There you go. Here's our big players in the Republicans. Kevin Falconer, who is the former mayor of San Diego. Don't know much about him. Um, John Cox. He's a San Diego businessman. And if you've heard of him, it's because he went touring across the state with a live bear.
0: Just normal stuff that you do here in uh, California. That's the gimmick, baby. That's how he gets those votes. And I hang I out with He's bears. not even
1: polling that high. So he <laughs> could have been mauled by a bear. Um, Kevin Kylie, a Republican state assemblyman. Sure. Ted Gaines, a member of the State Board of Equalization. And then, of course, are big, big players. Caitlyn Jenner, a reality star and former Olympic athlete who she doesn't. I mean, I think she thought she was going to get the Arnold Schwarzenegger treatment and everyone hates her.
0: Oh, yeah. I think Even the though
1: Republicans don't want to vote for her.
0: Do you think, though, she really thought or thinks she has skin in the game? I think she does.
1: I think Caitlyn Jenner is that delusional. I do
0: Um, because I mean, I think we're all kind of aware of this, but sometimes I feel like we don't consider this is a lot of times people run for public office, not because they even expect to win, but because it becomes lucrative Mm -hmm. by getting so far an election. In some ways, you end up there like becoming politically verified and then you're able to do lecture circuits. You're able yeah. to do panels. So it's like its own money making wheel. Like we kind of saw that yeah. with Ben Carson, for instance. Like mm-hmm. who the hell was that guy? I don't know. But then somehow he became in charge of HUD during Trump. <laughs> like, yeah. what the
1: fuck? I mean, we see it with Donald Trump, too. Yeah, exactly. But he exactly. actually won.
0: He actually. And that's what happens when someone just runs probably with a high intent of not expecting to win, but expecting more money from winning and then actually wins and tries to burn down a country. Yeah. In a way that's not beneficial from those of us who kind of do want to burn down a country.
1: No, I want to yeah, I want to bring it down, but in a different way. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then our final Republican big player, and he's the biggest player right now. He's the front runner, the front running challenger is Larry Elder. He is a conservative talk radio host, and he says on day one, he's going to get rid of the mask mandate, which is super fun. And there was some legal issues for a while with him being required to produce income tax returns, but he figured it out, so he got on the ballot. And he's kind of what we are scared of.
0: Yes, because he's also... The front-running challenger right now, yes. so there is a good chance that this guy could get in there.
1: Yeah, if basically Newsom is successfully recalled, that's probably a replacement guy, which is scary. It's
0: not <laughs> exciting. Um, just some other fun. More. Uh, let's see. Like, there's a leading challenger among the Democrats. His name's Kevin Perfrath. Half breath, a YouTube influencer and financial advisor.
1: Yeah. So he's like, I mean, if you're going to vote on the second question, that's kind of the guy to vote for because he's the leading Democrat. So you might as well.
0: I might pick Angeline,
1: though. I know, Well, there's something fun about picking Angeline, too. So Angeline, for those of you who don't know, is on the ballot. She is kind of an L.A. meme institution, whatever you want to call her. She famously just put herself on billboards and now she's famous and she just drives around L.A. and asks money for pictures with her, which is the dream life. I don't know what she would do as governor, but this isn't her first election. She ran in the 2003 recall as well.
0: There's a great article on her from like, I think like four or five years ago that explains like her origin story. It's very murky because basically she was like this woman living in L.A. who was a nobody and then all of a sudden she's like on every billboard and she she completely changes this look you can always find her car in hollywood i feel like i see it there all the time because it's a it's usually like a pink convertible with the license plates that says angeline on it
1: yeah she she's hard to miss she's very big in hollywood and they're making a movie about her life starring emmy rossom
0: oh i'm seeing that
1: oh yeah i'll be seeing that oh i think it's a tv show not a um
0: Oh, that's I'll take that too. A mini series multiple episodes. Oh, I love it.
1: Anyway, um, so she's also a big player. And then I wrote down Jeff Hewitt. I'm not sure why I wrote him down, but I think he's another big player.
0: He is, but he is a Riverside County supervisor and a libertarian. The libertarians, they're always gonna get one on, aren't they?
1: Yeah, I'll tell you that's one thing about libertarians, they won't be stopped. <laughs> you can't they will all they will lose every single election.
0: But they love what, you know, they're around.
1: Listen, I hate libertarians. I'm sure you do, too. Libertarians are so annoying. They kind of are the worst.
0: Well, this is the problem with
1: a libertarian for me. If you don't know what a libertarian is, it's someone who says they're fiscally conservative, but socially liberal.
0: (laughs) That is a huge. I mean, that's not the real defining thing, but but that's what they all say. Yes, exactly.
1: And if you ask a single libertarian to explain that to you, they can't, they can't. And that's, what's annoying about it is that they act like they're like really doing something. Like they act like, Oh, well, you don't know what a libertarian is. I'm about to blow your mind. See, I'm socially liberal, but I'm fiscally conservative. Oh, and they act like, I'm going to be like, Oh my God. Well, now that you've explained it, now I want to be a libertarian, but I'm like, okay, so what are your like fiscally? Conser- like what policies fiscally are you like conservative on? And they're like, Well, I'm socially I'm like, that's not the answer.
0: Well, a a huge part of being a libertarian is like not not paying taxes and not having um, uh, basically not being controlled by the government. So like, do they like cops? They do, but they want private cops. They don't want you poor people having access to cops. They want rich people to be able to pay the cops to do what they want them to do.
1: They basically don't want any government involvement, but they want it all to be about they can buy. They're like everyone can buy whatever they want.
0: Yeah, it's we like, want firemen, okay. but we only want the firemen to come to the houses of people who yeah. pay the firemen to work. Like they will try to sell you that they believe in. It's not that they they don't think we need certain public services, but you should have more access to them. To better based services. On Yeah. The money that you make, which no one should take from you because you've earned that money, right? No one else should have your money.
1: And it should be noted that every libertarian I've ever met is a boy who makes $12 an hour.
0: And John McAfee.
1: Yeah. And it's like, okay, um, hmm. (laughs) No one's taxing you,
0: Kevin. Yeah. No one no one's coming for your grocery store cashier money. I'm saying that because I, I think we recently ran into one in a store that was like trying to give Mike crap about wearing a Bernie shirt. And it was like, and it's
1: like, okay. can you bag my groceries? Yeah, can you just wrap it up over here? <laughs> Come on. Anyway, I hate libertarians. If you're a libertarian listening to this podcast and this applies to you, I hate you. If it doesn't apply to you, are you sure?
0: <laughs> yeah, if you're a libertarian listening to this podcast, actually contact us and we'll do a full interview. Yeah, we'll bring you
1: on the show. I can't promise I'll be very nice. curious
0: how you're listening to the show and have terrible not Yeah,
1: I can't promise you're going to have a good time being on the show, but we'll bring you on and talk to you. That I can't, I can promise you that I will talk to you.
0: Our other fans are very smart and very get it. They just get it.
1: Yeah, we can do <laughs> We can do a segment called uh, Ask the Libertarian, where everyone (laughs) sends in questions for libertarians.
0: uh, Ask a Libertarian, a.k.a. our worst fan that contacted us to only be roasted. (laughs) Anyway,
1: here's my thing about the recall. To sum it all up, is that Gavin Newsom is up for re-election next year. And a recall costs the state, state budget officials estimate, two hundred and seventy six million dollars. And it all boils down to not completely invalid concerns, but kind of small potatoes stuff when we have other things going on. So to me, my issue with it is that like this is wasting time and money. Like Gavin Newsom has to go like send me an email every day asking for three dollars and he's not doing anything else. And it's it's very like to me, it just feels like a waste of time because it just feels like we don't have another good option running right now.
0: Okay, when I was hearing about the recall initially and I mean, as it was picking up momentum, I got the extension. I was kind of excited by it because even though I definitely don't want Larry Elder in place of Newsome, it's kind of like an impeachment where it's like if you don't get your shit together, yeah, you're going to be responsible for destroying state legislation. So even if even if Newsom is unsuccessful, which right now the polls are showing that there's a consistent 50 50 split. This really could go either way. Mm -hmm. He's very responsible for this predicament, you know, like not not having the wherewithal in the French laundry incident, not doing really any services for the houselessness problem. He's failed enough times that it. you need to be accountable, you know? Yeah.
1: But the problem that I have, because I do agree with that, I Are do Listening think that- to the restaurant
0: lobbyists. Remember when we had a mask mandate and you couldn't eat inside restaurants and then everybody was. I mean, not everybody, but everybody in L.A. I felt like was pretty on board. Like, we get it. We see what's going on. We're in the middle of a pandemic. And then he lifted that after meeting with restaurant lobbyists. Yeah. who are like, if you don't lift this restriction, we're not giving you money, essentially.
1: Oh, yeah. I feel yeah, I definitely feel like he's done things that deserve to be that he deserves to be penalized for. But the problem is, is that if he gets recalled, the people penalized, or not Gavin Newsom, it's the people who live in cities that now won't have any protection for a mask mandate where COVID surges. It's like the problem is, is that how he pays for this is that he gets booted out of office. He's still got money. He's still got a great life. Like, will he ever be governor again? No. But why would he want to be? But the people who are affected then or the other people in California. It just that's the problem with it to me is that because and this is the thing, if there was like a viable option to vote for, I would totally be in support of recalling Newsom voting for someone else. But the problem is there's just not a viable option. Yeah. And so it's like it just feels to me like recalling him is just like going to do more harm than good, no matter how you slice it. And it's yeah, it, it is just like it's the devil, you know.
0: Yeah, I'm not for a recall, but I'm glad that he's being held accountable.
1: Yes. I I mean, that is the thing about that is the good thing about having recalls available in California is that you can recall someone who you believe has failed the state. And in ways there are things that Gavin Newsom has failed on. Every governor does because they're all rich white people who or they're largely rich white people who listen to lobbyists because that's where they get their money. That's not something that's going to change based on a governor who based on a governor on the ballot here. Like the the failings that Newsom has will not be fixed by anyone currently on the ballot. And so it's like we're just going to have new different failings. in Yeah. Addition. Yeah. And so
0: it, it's just going to be a shit show. So like let the loser finish out the term and then let's be ready yeah. next year for supporting you know, someone with Black Lives Matter support, someone with the mm-hmm. Sunrise Movement support, someone who is really going to make climate change efforts. I think that's another thing that people have come at Newsome about.
1: Mm-hmm. Like
0: there's so much more we could be doing and we got to support those progressives. Someone with well, that's a yeah. support the, the Democratic Socialists. Well, that's the thing is he
1: when you look at the numbers, the number should be on his side because there's more Democratic voters in the state of California. That's just a fact. But the problem is, is that he inspires ire from a lot of these conservatives and he just inspires apathy from Democrats. And because he didn't take this seriously for so long, a lot of people are learning kind of about the implications of all of this now. And so now we have all of these people, you know, kind of all of a sudden being like, OK, we need to keep him in. And all of these progressive movements are like, just keep Newsome, whatever. Yeah. Like It's not worth the fucking trouble. So my advice, if you haven't filled out your ballot yet and whatever, vote however you want. But uh, and I'm not a political consultant, but my advice is just like vote no on the recall and just vote for someone better when he's up for reelection. I don't know. It feels like to me, it's just like. It's a waste of state money that isn't going to fix any bigger issue the way that all of the players are playing it. And has a part in that.
0: Yeah. I mean, if anything, if one of these Republican libertarian figures gets in, there's not a lot. They're going to be able to fuck up in the next year. Luckily, Mm -hmm. that's the fortunate part. But it is a pretty huge fuck you and that doesn't mean that there is an opportunity for them to fuck up. So,
1: yeah, will I mean, they'll find a way to again. Th- well, I mean, and this is also we live in L.A. So I know that if a conservative governor comes in and cancels the mask mandate, most people are still be wearing their masks. Exactly. That's where I live. That's not true of everywhere in California or everywhere no. in the country.
0: Uh, yeah, I, it was just in San Diego.
1: Not a mask in sight.
0: They, not, a, not a mask. Oh not yeah, I went to mask. Orange County
1: once last year and It was like it was the summer, so numbers were pretty low. But I was still wearing a mask then and no one was wearing a mask. Yeah. At the end of the day, people have their own individual choices to make and people can make those choices, whether it turns out good or bad for them.
0: And I think one of the great things about this, too, that is happening is that. Or this is getting national headlines. It's, it's causing more conversations for people in their own local governments and raising that awareness of like, what agency do we have? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of cool. Yeah.
1: You know, politics is so, so fun and it's never <laughs> stressful. And that's what I like best about that's it. That's what is. Like, it's just I love about being an American. Fun. That's what I love about living in a country doomed
0: for collapse
1: just love it i'm having fun That's late stage thing.
0: capitalism it's it's thrilling guys yeah if
1: you're in a country that doesn't have late stage capitalism you are missing out baby but
0: uh also uh if you want to sponsor my citizenship in your country you can always hit me up on instagram and twitter at bridget underscore suck <laughs> grace where could people find you to sponsor your citizenship You can sponsor
1: me at the Grace Piper on Instagram and Twitter. And while you're on Instagram and Twitter, you might as well visit our podcast at the Gossier.
0: And there you can find a link to submit not only how you can sponsor our citizenship, but any other hot goss you would like us to talk about. Today's topic, actually, I had multiple friends ask me to do this topic on the podcast. So Thank you to several of you.
1: Glad that you listeners think we're smart enough to talk about this. I hope we or at didn't... least want
0: to hear us ramble about it.
1: Yeah, I plagiarized the New York Times most of my research, but hey, that's what they write it for.
0: Yeah, they write it for us, baby.
1: Um, and if you enjoyed this episode or other episodes, be, ha- be go ahead over onto Apple Podcasts and leave us five stars and a glowing review.
0: Helps, helps make us look like a real podcast that you really listen to.
1: Cause I know you're listening. I see the stats, but that's it for this week. So we'll see you guys next week.
0: Vote for Pedro.
1: Bye. I see you're drinking 1%. Is that cause you think you're fat? Because you're not. You could be drinking whole if you wanted to.